Book 4, Chapters 7 through 11 of Of the Love of God by St. Francis de Sales. Translated by H. L. Sidney Lear. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book 4 The Decay and Ruin of Charity. Chapter 7 It is Our Part to Shun Idle Curiosity and Humbly Acquiesce in god's all-wise providence the mind of man is so weak that when he seeks too curiously to pry into the causes and reasons of god's will he entangles himself in a network of difficulties whence he cannot extricate himself like smoke rising he becomes subtilized and so is dispersed by dint of striving inquisitively to penetrate divine mysteries men become vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart darkened professing themselves to be wise they become fools above all this applies to what concerns god's providence in the variety of means by which he draws us to his holy love and so to eternal glory our presumption continually leads us to inquire why god gives more means of grace to some than to others why he did not do those wonders in tyre and sidon which he worked in chorazin and bethsaida if they would have so greatly profited thereby in short why he draws one rather than another to his love but of a truth we should never suffer our mind to wander thus idly or seek to find a better explanation of god's will than that it is his will which is the best of all reasons the measure of all good the law of all truth and although the holy spirit speaking in inspired scriptures from time to time gives us all the explanation we can require as to his providential dealings with men with respect to his love and their own salvation at the same time he repeatedly teaches us to give all due honour to his will adoring it first and last without questioning his purposes into which we have no right to intrude surely if men are bound so to reverence the decrees of an earthly tribunal as to believe them right and reasonable although unable to perceive their full motives far more they are bound to adore the justice and goodness of god's loving providence overruling all thus continually we find the reason why god rejected the jews set forth in holy scripture saints paul and barnabas declared seeing ye put the word of god from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life lo we turn to the gentiles and any one who will calmly study the ninth tenth and eleventh chapters of the epistle to the romans will see clearly that it was not without reason that god's will rejected the jewish nation but nevertheless man's judgment ought not to seek to penetrate this reason but confine itself simply to reverence for god's decree 
in admiring love for its justice and equity and loving admiration of its incomprehensible depth so the apostle winds up his long discourse saying o oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and the knowledge of god how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out for who hath known the mind of the lord or who hath been his counsellor thereby teaching us that while god does all things with infinite wisdom and reason man not being admitted into his counsels which are far above our understanding we must accept without seeking to understand them st augustine teaches this over and over again no man cometh unless drawn whom he draweth and whom draweth not why he draweth one and draweth not another wish not thou to judge if thou wish not to err once for all take and understand are thou not drawn pray that thou mayest be drawn surely it sufficeth to the christian living by faith and as yet not seeing what is perfect but knowing in part only to know and believe that god delivers no man from condemnation save by the free mercy of jesus christ our lord neither condemns any save by his most just truth in the same jesus christ our lord but as for knowing why he delivereth one rather than the other let him who may seek to fathom god's judgments but let him beware of the precipice for god's decrees are not unjust because secret wherefore delivereth he these rather than those first of all we answer nay but o man who art thou that repliest against god his judgments are unsearchable and we say further seek not out the things that are too hard for thee neither search the things that are above thy strength for he showeth not mercy to those whom in his truth which is far above human thought he judgeth not worthy of his favour we have seen twins born one whereof lived and was baptized while the other lost its material life before receiving regeneration thus one was an inheritor of the kingdom of heaven the other not so wherefore did god's providence so order it we can only say that god does not generally interfere with the natural course of events and that if one child was vigorous and the other too weak to come alive into the world he did not hinder the course of these natural events and therefore the one child was deprived of baptism and this answer is substantial but as st paul and st augustine teach we ought not to trifle with such speculations knowing that god hides from us reasons which he will make known hereafter then says st augustine it will no longer be a secret why one rather than another was chosen both seeming alike in position nor why miracles were not displayed to those who seeing them would have repented in sackcloth and ashes but to those 
who would not believe and elsewhere it is neither possible to understand nor lawful to inquire why he withholds one and not another enough to know that it is of him that the one standeth and not of him that the other falleth beyond all is hidden from man's understanding at least from mine own surely this is the truest philosophy on such a subject and i have ever greatly admired the learned modesty of st bonaventura in his discourse on the reason wherefore god's providence destines the elect to eternal life may be he says it is foreseeing the good deeds he will perform not of himself but through god's will but as to discerning what good deeds are the motive of such grace i neither know nor would inquire it is not fitting and i were sure to err we can neither discover the true reason or the true motive of god's will for as says st augustine although the truth thereof is sure it is far distant from us and we can know nothing thereof save by his revelation to whom all things are known and since it is not profitable to our salvation that we understand such secrets but better that we be ignorant thereof god has not willed to reveal them nor did even his chosen apostle presume to investigate them but bears witness to the shortcomings of our understanding exclaiming oh the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of god chapter eight the loving submission which we owe to the decrees of god's providence be it ours humbly to adore the depth of god's knowledge which the apostle fathoms not but only worships when he cries out thus o oh, the depth of the wisdom of god who can count the sand of the seashore or the drops of rain exclaimed st gregory nazianzen or who can fathom his wisdom by which he has created all things and governs them according as he will suffice it that with the apostle we admire not grappling with the difficulty there the purposes of god's will cannot be fathomed by our mind until we see him face to face who reacheth from one end to another mightily and doth sweetly order all things who can do all things who in wisdom has made them all how often we fail to understand mere human works or the cunning of the artificer which he nevertheless understands perfectly nor are such earthly works bad or ill done although we understand them not go into a clockmaker's shop and you will find a clock no bigger than an orange yet containing one or two hundred parts some composing the timekeeper others the striking and alarm you will find wheels turning this way or that the balance movement and springs and you must needs marvel at the art which has been able so precisely to adapt all these works 
yet all the while you do not know what each part is or how it works unless the artificer shows you you are only aware generally that all have their proper place in the clock a wild indian will amuse himself for days together with a clock watching for the hours to strike and unable to imagine how it happens yet not the less believing it to be the work of thought and skill and reverencing those who can regulate such a machine as possessing superhuman gifts even so we gaze upon the universe as upon a clock composed of so many works and movements that we are fain to marvel and while we know generally that each is designed to set forth the power of god or the marvels of his goodness we yet cannot pretend to know the precise purpose of each movement or why it is what it is unless the divine artificer shows us nor does he vouchsafe to show us this till such time as in heaven he will open our eyes to all the marvels of his love and show us how all that happened here work together for our everlasting good st gregory nazianzen says that we are like one troubled with dizziness who fancies that all things are turning round when in reality it is his own brain which turns so when we come across things inexplicable to our mind we are apt to fancy that they happen by chance because we know not their cause rather let us believe that god the father and maker of all exercises his providential care over all especially over all that happens to us and those around us even though our life be beset with strange events which we cannot explain so that while unable to comprehend we may at least revere god's surpassing wisdom the more that among men what is easily perceived is easily contemned but the harder anything is to be understood the more they are wont to admire it truly the dealings of god's providence were low indeed could our feeble minds appreciate them and they were less lovely and less majestic if they were nearer to our level therefore be it always ours to love and admire our heavenly father's wisdom and cry out with saint paul o oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of god his love is a fathomless depth by which he has prepared us unlimited means whereby we may be saved and his wisdom is boundless in adapting these means to our wants what can we fear rather what may we not hope being as we are the children of a father so rich in love so wise in foreknowledge so good so far-seeing in act towards us never must we suffer our minds to hover too curiously around his secret decrees lest moth-like 
we singe our wings and perish in that sacred fire his judgments are unsearchable or as saint gregory nazianzen says inscrutable we cannot fathom them or perceive how he works and however good our intentions we are continually at fault and lose the track for who hath known the mind of the lord or who hath been his counsellor is it not rather he who prevents us with all manner of blessings in order to crown us with blessing and glory verily all things are of him their creator through him their ruler to him their sustainer to whom be glory for ever amen be it ours to journey on in holy love assured that he who possesses it in death will rejoice therein for ever after death chapter nine there is a certain form of love which yet lingers in the soul which has lost divine charity he who lies hovering between life and death gradually sinking can hardly be called a living man since we scarce know whether to call his state a living death or an expiring life truly it is a piteous sight but yet more piteous is the state of that ungrateful soul which falling continually back and forsaking god's love by gradual degrees of coldness and faithlessness at last falls into the dread darkness of eternal perdition now this failing perishing love is called imperfect because although it exists after a fashion it is on the point of leaving the soul yet when sin has severed love from the soul a certain semblance thereof sometimes lingers therein which may easily deceive us it happens thus love while in us is wont to produce certain acts towards god by which the soul acquires an habitual tendency which is not so much love itself as a bent and inclination taken from constant action thus one who is accustomed to preach or celebrate will sometimes in dreaming say the same things he is wont to say preaching or celebrating though all such are of course profitless because they are mere reflections of a habit not anything real in themselves so charity by force of habit impresses us with a certain tendency to love which lingers even when the real thing is gone i remember when a student visiting an old well in a village near paris in which lay an echo which repeated one's words many times so that one unaccustomed to such matters might have supposed there to be a man at the bottom but we know very well that there was no one in the well only there were certain hollows which caught the sound of the voice and reproduced it this again being caught in another hollow and so on up to eleven repetitions yet these were not really our voices only a likeness thereof and verily the difference was great for when we spoke several words 
the echo repeated but one or two it cut short the sounds which we pronounced it varied our intonation and only began to repeat the word when we had ended in short it was not the voice of a living man but merely of a hollow rock which nevertheless was so like to that whence it was derived as easily to deceive one who knew not the mystery now follow my meaning when holy charity has dwelt in a soul it produces a second love which is not itself albeit coming of it but a human love so very like to charity that it will linger after that is dead within and easily deceive the unknowing as zeuxis grapes deceive the birds yet there is a wide difference for the voice of charity utters and affects all god's commandments within the heart but this human love which survives may utter them indeed but it effects few or none charity articulates every syllable that is all the details of god's commandments but human love leaves out more or less above all a right and pure intention and the tone of charity is ever sweet and soft but human love is ever pitched too high or too low and never begins its work save when charity has ended hers for so long as charity abides in the soul it uses this human love as its servant but when charity is gone and human love is left to itself its acts are worthless when elisha committed his staff to gehazi it could perform no miracle in his absence and so the acts of human love apart from divine charity are of no avail for everlasting life and that because human love by itself has no supernatural power whereby to lead the soul to do all things for god a power which belongs only to divine love chapter ten the danger of this imperfect love consider judas after the betrayal how repenting he took the price of his sin back to the elders and acknowledged the innocence of the son of god this was the result of that imperfect love which previously charity had left in him men fall by degrees it is seldom that any reaches the depth of evil suddenly the perfumer carries the scent of his wares with him beyond his shop and those who have been near heaven's bliss retain the aroma a while early in the morning the stag scent lies strong towards evening it fails and as it lessens so the hounds fail in their track when charity has dwelt within a soul its aroma is perceptible for some time after itself is gone but gradually that dies away and there is no more sign that charity was ever there i have seen men brought up from their youth in god's ways who falling back showed many traces of better things for a time 
so that it was hard to say what they really were but after a while it was plain that these traces pertained to a thing that was past and were merely tokens of what had been now all such imperfect love is good in itself as the handmaid of charity serving it while present within the soul ready to serve should it return it cannot perform the works of perfect love but need not be despised therefore the stars are beautiful in themselves although dimmed by the sun's light when it shines nevertheless this imperfect love is a danger because we are prone to rest satisfied with it to take the shadow for the reality and to imagine ourselves saints while those sins which drive out real charity are gaining such strength within us as at last to win the day if jacob had never lost sight of rachel on his wedding day he would not have been deceived by laban into accepting leah instead of her so it is that self-love deceives us directly that we lose sight of charity self-love thrusts forward this other love which is mere habit and we are satisfied with it and take it for real charity until some strong light shows us how we have been deluded sad indeed it is to see a soul flattering itself with an unreal holiness and at rest as though possessing charity and then suddenly discover that its holiness is unreal its rest a mere torpor its happiness mere delusion chapter eleven how to distinguish this imperfect love but how you will say are you to distinguish between rachel and leah between charity and this imperfect love which kindles you if on examining what are the objects of your desires affections and aims you find any for which you would contravene god's will and pleasure by mortal sin you may be absolutely certain that whatever good feelings or energy in his service you may seem to have it comes solely of this imperfect love for if perfect love ruled your heart it would utterly reject every thought affection or desire which could have so baneful a tendency remember however that such examination must be of your actual affections there is no need to imagine what may come hereafter enough if we be faithful in present events as they occur each season has its own burden and strife if nevertheless you want to test your spiritual strength by foreseeing trials and struggles it is all very well so long as you do not imagine yourself really the better for your imaginary valor recollect the children of ephraim who in spite of what they had done in times of peace turned themselves back in the day of battle so when you boldly foresee future possible trials if you feel brave and steadfast thank god for it is a good feeling 
but abide humbly between confidence and mistrust hoping that with his help you will be able to do all you think but fearing lest in your wanted weakness you should fail in courage and do nothing or should mistrust grow so strong that you feel you would be powerless and are tempted to despair by such imaginary trials then quiet yourself with a steadfast resolution to be faithful in whatever comes first and hope that should the trial you foresee with so much fear ever occur god would increase his grace so as to enable you to meet it and that while he does not give you strength for an imaginary or unnecessary conflict he will not fail you in the time of need for if some have lost heart when the moment of trial came others have lost their fear and found a courage and resolution in the presence of danger which they had never felt before it came and some of god's servants have frightened themselves unreasonably at the prospect of trials before which they have not quailed when actually present when such fears arise enough if we hope to be strengthened in time of need not even samson was from the first in full possession of all his after courage for we read that when the lion of timnath roared against him the spirit of the lord came mightily upon him and gave him strength to rend it as he would have rent a kid and again when he destroyed a thousand men at lehi whereby it is plain that we need not necessarily be always in possession of the strength and courage wanted to overcome the roaring lion who walketh about seeking whom he may devour such possession might tend to foster conceit and presumption enough that we always steadfastly desire to fight a good fight and heartily trust in god's gracious help promised to us in time of need end of book four chapter eleven